Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Before we get into the message, it's been in my heart to not only lead us in a time of prayer, but to give us some biblical framework of how to process the tragic event that took place Monday that I got woke up to from the school district's phone call and my wife was up uh, processing it all real time, kind of being mama bear and letting me sleep. And then I woke up and I said, uh, wake me up for this one. She's like, okay. And then we prayed and we processed it. And then with our children, we processed it the next morning. And there was three things that came out of, you know, as a family and having children is they were sad, they were mad, and they were confused. Why? And you might be here today with some of those same emotions and two crowds specifically that we are going to pray for. And pray to, to pray is not a... It's not an act of saying that there's not action to be done as well. But it is us acknowledging and knowing that we're desperate and dependent upon God to do what we can't do, which is heal, move, and bring comfort and peace in the midst of the unthinkable. So one would be those directly impacted, obviously the victims, uh, families, students that are present, people on campus, first responders, and then two, indirectly impacted. That's every single one of us at some level, getting to hear it from the news and some filters that in this moment want to lead us kind of biblical framework is first, it is okay to hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. So at some sense, there is a level to say, I just hate evil. And it rises up in our hearts. And then what do we do? We want to move and we want to either escape or try to solve and all the emotions that we process being humans. And what action do we take? Well, we look to Jesus when situations um, were hard, and he had empathy when everyone's weeping because Lazarus was dead. He was sleeping for that moment before he even raised him from the dead. Jesus wept. Jesus had compassion and wept in the midst of a storm. Well, then what do you do? Prayer is for us it's a way for us to surrender and say we're dependent upon God. Again, who's our example? Jesus. Before he was going to go to the cross, he prayed. And what did he pray? Not my will, but yours be done. And I saw some signs that said, blank your thoughts and prayers. This week we want policy and action, and of course, at some level, yes, Action needs to take place, and we can all debate how that, but let's not get lost in what the world may be telling us. Followers of Jesus, prayer is it's a lifeline. And it's us saying, God, we need you to move. We can't do it. Let your will 
be done. But then not just talk and not just prayer. Well, I, I go to Amos 5.24 and picking it up from 21 out of the message, it says, I can't stand your religious meetings. So kind of, you're just going through the motions, conferences, conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects and your pretentious slogans and goals. So at some level, yeah, like talk is cheap. You say you pray, but, but it's, I'm sick of these fundraising schemes and your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. So as we continue to act and think of a biblical framework on how to respond is justice, but in the midst of that is also forgiveness and mercy. To hate evil, a natural emotion would be anger. Well, Ephesians teaches us, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And following Jesus isn't a cakewalk. It's not going to be easy. Anytime there's a situation, God's word teaches us, first look in our own eye. Take our log out of ourselves. Look in the mirror first. And it's like, wait, what? And what did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Acts of justice, the greatest injustice this planet's ever seen, the greatest evil this planet's ever seen. We can look to Jesus and he gives us an example of how his love can flow through us. And then also we learn with him as our leader about enemy love. Not just love those who love you, but love your enemies. So it's obvious that the event this week is an uh, atrocious enemy act of evil, and then by all means, there needs to be policy, structure, proactive, reactive. But know that there is a lot of political propaganda that is put out in front of us every day. So where do we go from here? The battle is ongoing, and we are in a spiritual battle all the time. We put on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6 teaches us, and we battle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. The battle's not new, darkness is real, and it's not just in what we see. There is an unseen realm going on, and that's where the real battle is taking place all the time. And Hebrews 2 has this very interesting mystery where it says that the, the devil has power of death, it, that God came to destroy the power of death over the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Wait, what? The work of death the work of decay, the work of destruction is not of God. It is of the devil. And then Ephesians 2 teaches us that remembering that we were dead in trespasses and we once followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Prince of the air? Why is the devil referenced as a prince? Because he's not the king, friends. 
a prince for a moment that it might have power in the air to, to try to deceive, steal, kill, and destroy. But friends, Jesus teaches us to go out into the world as sheep amongst wolves, to be shrewd or wise as serpents, but innocence, innocent as doves. So we're gonna need a lot of wisdom, not just this week, but in the days, weeks, months ahead. And then lastly, to end this, before we do pray for those directly impacted and indirectly impacted, is to remember that there's only two kingdoms, friends. First John 4 says that every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now, it is already in the world. So there is an absolute battle. And then how we move and are mobilized, we need to talk about, of course. But this helps us understand that darkness is going to continue to be dark. And may we be aware. But it also says this, that passage, same passage, two spirits. Verse four, you, church, hear this. This is the good news. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And that's Jesus who rose from the dead and has empowered by the Holy Spirit, his church, to point to true hope in the midst of grief. So what do we do? I think the ending of the Bible is quite fitting in weeks like these where it says, come Lord Jesus, <laughs> come. God, come, come. Love God, love people until he returns. Easy to say, hard to do. And the church, we get the opportunity to preach the good news and to be present and to weep and to be people of compassion and empathy and justice and forgiveness and mercy. Not on our own ability, but on God who lives in us. Let's pray. God, we right now pray as a body of believers for those directly impacted, the victims, their families, the students, the teachers, East Lansing, the first responders, that there would be comfort, there would be a flicker of hope and the light of heaven would turn on somehow, some way, only by your power. And God, we pray for those indirectly impacted, which is all of us since we're here today. This is so close to home. And for many in the room, it was even closer to home. Might work on campus, in the room, and online today. And there's so much turmoil, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, that in the midst of fear, perfect love would cast out all fear. That the love of God, the one who is in us, greater than the one who's in the world, that the light of heaven would shine through us and in us and to us. And you would bring healing that only you can provide. A balm from your throne room 
the true king that one day will come back to wipe every tear away and make all things new. We pray this today in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, today we're gonna continue um, our series on Sabbath. And the reason why is I deeply sense in my heart that this is still one of the best tools, even in a backdrop of this week, that will help us not live like this world and carry a presence that we let God be God because we're not him. So check this video out and I'll be back to teach a message called Sabbath Delight. Sabbath is a practice from the way of Jesus by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in all of our lives. It's a rhythm that God the Creator built into the fabric of the human body and creation itself. Every seventh day, we stop, rest, delight, and worship. Sabbath is for all of us, in every stage of life and in every season. Through Sabbath, we say yes to the easy yoke of Jesus and find rest for our souls. Sabbath delight. Our mind is drawn 14 times more to negative news than positive news. We are constantly bombarded with information that is meant to prey on our weaknesses. And as times are dark and it, it is so obvious that it is on the forefront that we are bombarded with information locally, globally, there is a lot out there to be dismayed by. And as real time as yesterday, whether you're privy on this or not, I wouldn't recommend for all of us to do a deep dive into what's happening in the artificial intelligence community. But as a people following God, it's really helpful to be aware but we should know more about God than the counterfeit. And we study the real McCoy, which is God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, uh, and the power that is in the name of Jesus. But to be aware, uh, one individual who's kind of leading a movement um, with the community, uh, OpenAI and Microsoft's involved in, and this isn't to any way shame them, but tweeted yesterday, we also need, uh, Sam Altman's his name, we also need enough time for our institutions to figure out what to do regarding AI. Uh, regulation, which AI, artificial intelligence, will be critical and will take time to figure out. Although current generation AI tools aren't very scary now, check this last sentence out. I think they, I think we are potentially not that far away from potentially scary ones. Now, I don't know if this leads to Terminator, uh, if you're familiar with that, or all the movies you see about robots and it goes bad. But, friends, it could. And I pray that we would be people that are poised and positioned and letting God love and lead us. Well, how would we do that? May I submit to you today that maybe the Sabbath is one of the best tools to shape and inform our life to let God be God as a gift that he has given to his church.
So to get outside of the world stream, picture this today. If we're swimming and we're swimming upstream on the river, this is what it's like to be in the world's pace. We're swimming, we're swimming, we're swimming, we're swimming. We're trying to keep up with all that's happening, with all that's happening. How do we change? How do we love our kids? How do we love our city? How do we see the light of heaven shine? And, and at some level, it gets exhausting because we're not meant to swim on the world's current. We're meant to get into God's river and let his pace of grace lead us. And he gave us a gift of Sabbath. This Word Sabbath in Hebrew is Shabbat, and there's been four formations and movements we've been going through through practicing the way, which is the first, just stop, rest, delight, worship. Why? Well, Genesis 2, on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it, he rested from his work of creation. Stop, rest, delight, worship. You might already feel an inner turmoil. How am I supposed to stop? How am I supposed to rest? How am I supposed to worship? Well, you're not alone. I think we all feel the toil but that doesn't change the gift that is in the Sabbath, that we can go to the current of heaven and surrender because God loves his kids, he loves you. Deuteronomy 5, the Sabbath is referenced before this Exodus, Genesis, it points back to God in creation, but then it's pointed towards, and the Sabbath's a big deal, it's one of the 10 commandments, um, but then it's a response to God took his people out of slavery, out of Pharaoh's system, the Egyptian rule, to be led in a God river, God pace. And he tells them, observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to who? The Lord your God. So you do all your labor and do all your work, and then you shall not do any work, you or your sons and your daughters. This is where the kids in the room should lean in and be like, pastor said out of Deuteronomy, I don't have to work one day a week. Can you tell me when? No chores. And the parents say, get outside, get off TikTok, get off what's happening through the portal of your phone. Pretty soon Google's gonna try to get you to convert and merge with robots and our kids, though, let's be real, they don't want to be told what to do. They want to see the beauty in it. And how can we lead them in a space and a place that maybe we're not doing too? Guilty. Inviting them into the rhythm where I'm falling in line with saying, okay, God, I want to do it your way. You shall remember, verse 15, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to do what? Keep the Sabbath day. So it's a command. But why? Instantly, our upbringing or our understanding of authority or our understanding uh, experience with our parents starts to shape and inform the word of what we think command. We think, oh, command, I have to do this. And if I don't do this, I will get in trouble. 
well, okay. And we're going to talk about understanding the difference between duty and delight. And it's shaped of how we view God and how we think that God views us. And when we enter the Sabbath, we find ourselves remembering, one, that God is God. I am not. I'm not in control. I can only be at one place at a time. I'm not not omnipresent. We've got to come to that realization. But then as we've come to that realization, we've got to remember and release and relinquish control daily. Pick up our cross daily. God, I'm not in charge. You are. And God, you're enough. So therefore, when I'm in you, I am enough. And that God, you are good. I'm not good, but when I'm in you and in Jesus, therefore I am good. And my work, and it is good. The word delight, Eden means paradise. So thinking back to the story of creation, that we're with God, we're in a place of paradise, and a place that's delightful. This isn't a word that I use in my uh, language portfolio weekly. Delight. Like, oh, that's delightful. Is this a Mary Poppins movie? You know, it feels like it's supposed to cue in a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, you know. Oh, in the most delightful way. And, you know, English. Sounds like, okay, what's happening? But just because I learned that, let me unlearn and think, Ooh, Eden, experience with God, to delight with God, that God wants to connect with me, and I want to connect with him. And what do I delight in then? I delight in God himself. We delight in our life in God's world. And then we remember that we're in God's world. If you've ever been bummed that you didn't get a gift, let's just remember we're sitting on a planet that holds eight billion of us. It's the only planet we know that can inhabit uh, intelligent, we believe, divine, created in the image of God life. Wow. God cares about our joy and he also cares about our happiness. He wants us to delight in him, to experience Eden, But then as we fast forward, okay, what does Jesus do on the Sabbath? Looking at Mark 2, on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, oh, they're looking to, Jesus is going to break the law. Look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? This day is to be holy. It's a day that you can't break the command to do no work on it. What are you doing, Jesus? And he said to them, Jesus has a way to confuse and turn the questions back on all of us. Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And also gave some to his companions. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for who? The Sabbath was made for who? One more. The Sabbath was made for who? Man. And not man, 
us for the Sabbath? What was the point of the command? It was made for us by our heavenly Father. So then, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now Jesus is Lord over the Sabbath. He's the King. He is the Son of God. He is fully God-man, fully human. When he was on earth, he went to the cross to die the death we deserved, the punishment of sin, and then he drank the cup of wrath that is due for all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our iniquity, and then he rose from the dead because death is not the final say. Christ is victorious. So, oh, death, where's your sting? He's Lord over the Sabbath. He's Lord over everything. He's Lord over us. And we have a Lord that's with us in the storm. We have a high priest that can empathize and sympathize with our weaknesses. Insert Jesus. So he's the king of the Sabbath. And here's Jesus showing us proper order. God over the Sabbath. And the Sabbath being a gift for his kids, us. So what do we do? How do we process this? Well, naturally, if we find ourselves on one extreme, which is how is the Sabbath practice? When do I do it? Give me a slew of instructions and I will follow. And then somebody else is like, come on, man, Sabbath, what word is that? When do I take time off? It must be nice, all right? Well, I think there's freedom for both of us, but we know this, that legalism can form in all of our hearts, but Colossians 2 helps us Verse 16, therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Now, with that, it doesn't mean that Christ has done away with the beauty of a Sabbath. It's now in a new covenant that that same law that you could debate, do we still keep it and do we not? And I think there's freedom for us to continue to have that conversation. But we're probably in a time in a day and age where we don't have the rhythms in that overstructure our life to just God is formality. For many of us, God is an afterthought or we might come to him in a triage state, meaning God, just help. I don't even know. I just got to get to church. I maybe I got to get around somebody and we're in mayday, mayday, mayday. Maybe the Sabbath can be a reset weekly, hopefully 24 hours, but maybe it's just an hour to stop, rest, delight, and worship God and get our lives in line so that we can be people that hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because I don't have an unlimited supply. I don't have an inexhaustible tank of compassion. Do you? I think God gave us the gift of Sabbath to reset and refuel all of our tanks. In Hebrews 4, and we're going to get ready to close and think through um, just how did this hit, processes us and, uh, or how did this hits, hits us today where we're processing is verse 9. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his works just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. 
Now, one of the objections we could have is, well, they weren't going through the same stuff we're going through today. Oh, you're right. They couldn't preach publicly the message of Jesus. They might be threatened for their life and the church got so persecuted that it got pushed out from the spaces and places where the original church was birthed and through persecution and suffering and many storms, most of the New Testament we're reading in that backdrop. So may we not be people that say, oh, they didn't get it. They're not going through anything. No, no, no. Pain is no respecter of person. It hits us all, all the time. And as we think of who we're gonna be 10 years from now, city life, just lean into this thought. Maybe this message isn't more for this week and it's more for your life. It's more the people we're gonna be to say, does rest remain in the midst of chaos? Yes. For who? Me. Rest from what? Work. Approval. Produce. Why should I stop working? God did. How hard should I try to Sabbath? Look at Hebrews 4. Make every effort to enter that rest. I think of that. I think, what would I have done to do some really dumb things when I wasn't in my right mind? I made every effort. You could call me one in the morning. I'm in. Let's go. (laughs) Make every effort to stop, to rest, and to delight. So how we view God, if we see God as just duty, that I have to, if the Sabbath is just another command that here's God, he's mad at me. No. Remember the picture of when the prodigal son comes back home? squandering all of his father's wealth, destroying the family name, living recklessly in sin, publicly disgracing everyone back home, and then in guilt and shame comes home and just says, hey, dad, if if there's any way I could just work in your kingdom as just a low-level servant, um, Will you take me in? Because I got no other place to go. And then the father, because we know the story is the prodigal son, but it's really a story of two brothers that all of us are in, but it's the good father. It's, that's what grace is, that God can do what we can't and that God responds differently to us when we don't deserve it. And he throws a party for when the son came home because my son was lost and now he's found. That picture is so important because if we view God as just a God of commands that you have to do another, you have to stop, you have, you know, I don't even know how I'm gonna do it. Wait, wait, wait. Remember how much he loves you. So to delight in him, you're recognizing that life is not a right, it's a gift. The Sabbath is not something I'm entitled to, it's something that God gave us so that we're not on the world's clock and pace And of course, when we slow down, okay, this is another sermon, another time, it'll probably be next week. There is sadness that hits us. 
You get to find out what the rest of the week felt like. Sometimes it's crash landing. And that's not a reflection of the day where you stop. That's a reflection of the other six. That we weren't enjoying the rhythms of grace. We weren't enjoying each other. We weren't living with each other. So a picture that might be helpful to help us think through, how much does God love you? How much does God care about you? Uh, you've seen those videos where the, ch- the child gets uh, reunited with their parent. I haven't seen them in a while. You know, if they've been gone on war and get choked up every time and they're hard to watch and you might shed a thug tear that no one else can see. Well, we're going to watch one of those right now. Check this video. call the worship team up to the stage. I wanted to end with that because at some level this week has been hard for everybody. Uh, but there's also individual battles and storms that are in this room that nobody else knows about, not the person on the left or the right. So you, you're carrying that. It's just a mountain you can't move. And there's an exchange at the end of service. There's an exchange as the team's gonna lead us and the battle belongs to God. And there's the line that says, when all I see is the mountains, you see the victory. And it's not this happy-go-lucky that everything's gonna be perfect, but there is an exchange as Christians as we cast our cares to the Lord because he cares about us. He somehow pushes back the clouds. That through prayer, that God will give us the peace that passes all understanding. And what takes place on the Sabbath is it's kind of like a work, it's like a service where you're being with God, you're trying to understand more of His Word and how that applies in your life, and you're with people, and sometimes you might be worshiping, you're eating, but. Four things that take place when we're delighting is we're remembering, man, I got faith. It's an act of faith. To stop is an act of faith. You can't outwork God, y'all. 
It's a time to be together with family and friends. It's a time to feast. It's a time to have fun. What's life-giving? And that's what we'll dive into next week. What's life-giving? What's life-giving? But I wonder if it's so hard to even think about doing this at any part of our week because we're carrying a battle that's too heavy for us. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, meaning you've never come back home, the same way that video, God is so longing to hold you. If we'll be like the prodigal son that just say, will you just take me? And he'll grab you up. But how does he take you? When we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's our Lord. And he's also, or he's our Savior, and he's also our Lord. Ah. And it's instant. When we pray, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're clean. We might not be perfect from that place, right? We're all going to go through stuff, but we're born again. And then we want to be baptized and get into God's word and around his people, of course, by all means. But if we don't see the picture that there's a loving father that loved you so much, that gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's in the midst of darkness. That's why it's good news, because the bad news is so bad. And our flesh, our flesh 14 times more wants to know the bad stuff. That's why sometimes if I scroll, I'm like, ooh, what's that? Nothing. I'm just looking at this. Yuck. Yuck. When we Sabbath, we remember that God is God. God's in control. God has the victory. And that God wants to be with you and hang out with you that we exercise faith, that he's given you some people in life that you can be in community with to enjoy those relationships, to put the phone down, have some food, make some food. That's been hard for me sometimes. I like to cook my eggs on high. Why? It takes too much time. But I've learned in the Sabbath rhythm along the way that eggs cooked on high isn't the way on Sabbath. It might be the way sometimes in the middle of the week, but definitely not on Sabbath. <laughs> and we're teaching our kids this. Okay, so what's Sabbath mean again? You know, can we play video games then? And, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an art more than it is a science. So today you have permission. Maybe today kicks off your Sabbath. You worshiped here and you're going to leave this place and go get some food with some people and have some conversation to remember that I'm going to delight in God. I'm going to de delight my life in God and, and, uh, and delight in God's world. And it's a good thing to be restored in Jesus. I mean, in, because of Jesus in this Eden-like experience. And that's good. And then that'll carry throughout the, the, the day and then you'll feel the Monday come in if you have work tomorrow morning. <laughs> you just got to say, devil, get behind me. <laughs> and then you got to turn on some Eric Thomas, uh, uh, E.T., the hip-hop preacher for tomorrow morning and say, thank God it's Monday and do the health kit. Anyways, amen. 
our year has been crafted in a way that we're thinking, what does city like look like in 2050? And I pray that's what you're feeling. The battle belongs to God. And if there's a storm that you can't move, may this song minister to your soul. If there's a mountain too big and you feel prompted to come up and kneel and just say, when I fight, I fight on my knees, God. I pray that you'd make that step and just feel the presence of God in any way in this room before we leave this place as we give the battle to the Lord. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.